Time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God on this Wednesday, September the 7th, 2000. And 22, praise be to God. Uh, the Mass in Legos. Hmm, has your kids played with, like, made, make a little Mass kits? You know, we bought the Mass kit, I don't know how many years ago, and my kids made a, a whole little chapel, a little church out of Legos. It was pretty cool. But it reminds me of a time when my family had picked up a book called the Brick Bible. And to our horror, our utter horror, we discovered that the author of the book uh, was trying to peddle perversities through the book to kids, and we threw it away in the garbage. And that happened to a good friend of mine, Kevin O'Neill, and uh, he also was uh, horrified by that, but they did something about it. They actually made the answer to that, and that was the Lego Catechism, teaching the sacraments through Legos. And they have a new release out on the Holy Mass. And we're going to talk to Kevin O'Neill about his latest release of uh, the Lego Catechism. And that's coming up at 35 past this hour. So if you have kids who love Legos, you might tune in. This is going to be a great idea. Uh, the Papal Saints come marching in. This was the headline of a, out of The Pillar, an article on The Pillar. And it asked the question, is the church in a unique era of holy popes? But I take that a step further. Is the church in an era of holy popes even if the era is definitely not holy? Hmm, we're going to review that coming up at 15 past the hour. Hey, at the top of the next hour, if you can join us, David O'Gray from davidogray.info is going to be on. There's a story out of uh, out of the Netherlands. The Dutch diocese abandons Holy Mass on Sundays? Like, they're consolidating is the answer. But what is going on there? Why are they deciding to not have Mass in, in a bunch of churches. We're going to conversate about that with David O'Gray at the top of the next hour. Senior Senate Democrats are discussing the possibility of including legislation to protect gay marriage in a funding bill. <laughs> Don't you love it when they get sneaky like that? Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton has said that she will never mount another White House bid. Wow. Uh, praise be to God. Hey, Dr. Ashish Jha, the White House COVID coordinator, said on Tuesday that God has granted us two arms as humans so that we can both get the COVID-19 vaccine booster and the influenza shot at the same time. Uh, that happened, actually, in the military. We used to line up and they would give us shots at the same time on both sides with the gun, nonetheless. It was just, we had no idea what we were getting. They were just giving it to us. Hey, a new animated uh, show title called The Little Demon has Disney facing yet another round of fury from parents. Apparently, it's filled with satanic imagery, gore, graphic violence, uh, beheaded chickens, pentagrams, dismembered bodies, Melting human flesh and a whole lot more goodness from Disney. Uh, that's fun. So do you still have Disney Plus? I'm curious. Or have you gotten smart and canceled that by now? Hey, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Here we are again, another day. Blessed be God. Mm -hmm. uh, it's good mm -hmm. to be here. Is How it? are you doing? Good enough for government work, as they say. Well, then. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of government work, our friend Mike Koniger is here from Virginia, the brick wall. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. How are you today? Praise be to God, I'm alive. How are you? I am wonderful. Yeah. Now, you spent a whole career doing government work, so you know what I mean. 
<laughs> yeah, but I had to strive for excellence because I wasn't working for the government. You know who I was working for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and amen. Praise be. For Disney? But, now, you were in the Coast Guard, Mike. I In the Marine Corps, we would always say good enough for government work. That was a thing. We always said it. Did you guys say that? Did Coasties? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All the time. Yeah, all the good time. Enough, good enough. Whatever. <laughs> it's fun. I get I get the most in strange reactions when I say that to people. How are you doing? I'm good enough for government work. Oh, really? Like, what? <laughs> you can tell who has never been in the military <laughs> when you say that. Well, praise be to God. Uh, so it's going to be a good day. Not everything is bad news today. Legos are fun. Did you play with Legos as a kid, or was that not yet invented, uh, Mike K.? So I had the inside loop uh, coming from a German family. Uh, my Oma would send me boxes of Legos for no, Christmas. Year. None of my friends had them because it's a little bit before, uh, you know, they came out, I think, in the 70s. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I yes, we played with Legos. And then my kid brother sold them all on eBay for big money. Ooh. <laughs> hey, Rudy, a Lego, Lego guy? Uh, yeah. You know what? My dad, he, uh, he got me a giant box wow, of Legos jealous. one time from a yard sale. Yeah. And when I was cleaning out his estate, I found them, and I, I was just like so frazzled. I wanted to get rid of everything. I should have kept them because they yeah. would have been big bucks. Yeah, I didn't know that. Bad. It's kind of an, an investment now. Missed so. opportunity. Oh well. Yeah, I, the only time I got to play with like real Legos was when I was visiting the rich neighbor kids. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I had one little oatmeal, you know, the oatmeal cylinder. Like I, had, that's how much Legos I owned as a kid. Was just whatever I could fill in that oatmeal cylinder box thing. But uh, today we're going to talk about how to use. Legos for evangelizing the world. That's coming up. Let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your news with Mike Koeniger. Good morning and welcome to Catholic Drive Time. It's Wednesday, September 7th, 2022, and these are your headlines. Protests break out in Wuhan. Residents demand lifting of lockdowns. Video footage obtained by the Chinese edition of the Epic Times shows residents in multiple residential compounds gathering to protest. They're chanting, we demand the lifting of lockdown, and we want to have food. We need to pay loans. We have our family to feed. Residents were banned from leaving their homes. All public venues were ordered closed except government-designated supermarkets and medical institutions, and public transport was suspended, according to the notice. From right here in Virginia, high court rules. Grand jury investigation of Loudoun County schools can continue. The grand jury was convened earlier this year by Commonwealth Attorney Jason Miaris, fulfilling an executive order from Governor Glenn Youngkin and a campaign promise to investigate their claims the school system covered up a sexual assault by a student at one high school, which allowed the teen to be transferred to another high school where he assaulted another girl. Russia to purchase rockets and artillery shells and arms deal with North Korea. This purchase indicates that the Russian military continues to suffer from extreme supply shortages in Ukraine due in part to export controls and sanctions. North Korea has hinted at expanding its relationship with Russia by sending construction workers to the Russian-occupied territories in Ukraine to help rebuild. However, that and the military sale would violate United Nations resolutions placed against North Korea. New study shows cancer risk higher in children born from frozen embryo transfers. Who could have guessed? 
Data was collected from Denmark, Finland, Norway, and Sweden, which included millions of children born between 1984 and 2015 that were all conceived with assisted reproduction technology. The study specifically considered whether babies born after frozen thawed embryo transfer showed a higher risk of childhood cancer than children born after fresh embryo transfer and spontaneous conception. After finding that babies who come from frozen embryos do run a higher risk of cancer, the study included a warning in its conclusions about the practice of freezing embryos for later use. And those are your headlines. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Felix Gomez Pinto Pinheiro. He was born on May 18th in 1870 in Toledo, Spain, and he was one of four children born to a pious farm family. His mother was a Franciscan tertiary, and two of his sisters became Capuchin nuns. Felix joined the Franciscan miners in May 1886 at the at Pastrana, Spain, making his solemn profession on May in May, rather, 1890. He was ordained a priest in 1894 in Avila, Spain, and was a missionary to the Philippines, where he was imprisoned from 1898 to 1899 during the <laughs> Philippine fight for independence from Spain. He also served for a few months at the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, and then returned to Spain during the persecutions of the Spanish Civil War. He continued to minister to convert Catholics in the area, but he was seized by anti-Christian militiamen and was ordered to blaspheme against God, Mary, and the Church. He refused. Later, his convent hospital was converted by the militia into a prison. Father Felix was kept there for several days, while other priests and brothers were rounded up, and they were executed. Blessed Felix Gomez Pinto Pinheiro, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. Raising his eyes toward his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil, on account of the Son of Man, Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. For their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you, for you have received your consolation. But woe to you who are now filled, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you. When all, when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in the same way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In Haydock's commentary today, St. Ambrose said, quote, uh, he's mentioning these eight Beatitudes and he's comparing it to St. Luke's Gospel. He says, St. Luke, uh, the uh, There was eight Beatitudes in St. Matthew's, and St. Luke's only has four. But St. Luke only gives an abridgment in this place of discourse, which St. Matthew gives more at length. We are also to remark that in these four, the whole eight are comprised, and that both evangelists place poverty in the first place, because it is the first in rank, and 
as it were, the parent of the other virtues. For he who hath forsaken earthly possessions deserves heavenly ones. Neither can any man reasonably expect eternal life who is not willing to forsake all in affection and in effect also if called upon for the love of Jesus Christ. Close quote, St. Ambrose, as quoted in the Haydock's commentary today. Notice he said, those who forego these earthly possessions, these earthly attachments. He didn't say those who don't have them and then therefore lament them and wish they did. Make clear distinctions in your mind about the poor. St. Cyril, also quoted in Hadock's commentary today, says, quote, Not that everyone under great poverty is happy, but that the man who prefers the poverty of Christ to the riches of the world ought certainly to be esteemed such. Many indeed are poor in worldly substance, but are uh, avaricious in affection. To such as these, poverty is no advantage. Do you see? If you really do love and hold on to the material aspect of this world, and no matter how much money you have in the bank or don't have, then that's definitely not what you should be striving for. Nothing that is against the will merits reward. Now, therefore, all virtue is known by the will. Blessed, therefore, are the poor who bear poverty for the sake of Christ. He himself hath already trodden the path before us and taught us by his example that it leads to honor and enjoyment, close quote, St. Cyril. So think of uh, Mother St. Teresa of, of Calcutta, someone who gave up worldly possessions, even in a world that praised her uh, very much so, uh, so that she could care for those who didn't have worldly possessions. Ignatius Catholic Commentary says, Whoa! A cry of impending distress used by the prophets of Israel. Jesus voices the same cry to warn that disaster awaits the comfortable of the world whose prosperity and notoriety have turned them away from God and the demands of his covenant. Rich, society's most prosperous and prestigious members, their success in this life can tempt them to overlook the need for God and his mercy. Worldly wealth is thus dangerous because it can lead to selfishness and a false sense of security. Being rich is not the problem. Loving your riches is. Man can't serve, uh, you know, both God and mammon. We must choose. So whatever level God has given you to be a steward of, be a good steward of it. Not be attached to it. That should you lose it, you would feel great despair. But give it all over to Christ and use it wisely for His glory and for the salvation of souls. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. 
Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, uh, my friend Kevin O'Neill is going to be on. His family uh, did an, a great job in producing the Lego Catechism a few years back. Wonderful, wonderful resource for your family, for your kids to learn the sacraments, learn biblical typology, apologetics, and more through Legos. It was a wonderful resource. I really enjoyed reading it. My kids loved it a lot. Well, the the second volume is out now. It's called The Holy Mass, and uh, it's about to be released, The Holy Mass on Earth as it is in Heaven, all in Lego build, and it's quite lovely, and you're going to really enjoy this for your for your kids. So we're going to talk about why this all got started with Kevin O'Neill at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that if you can. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And I saw this article out of the pillar, pillarcatholic.com. The headline says, the papal saints come marching in. Is the church in a unique era of holy popes? The article, to summarize very quickly, uh, basically goes through uh, and looks at how many consecutive saint, you know, sainted popes we've had in various times in the church's history. But I want to take this story just a little further and ask the question, is the church in an, a unique era of holy popes, even if the era itself is definitely not holy? I want you to think about that for a second as I read just a little bit of this article out of the pillar. This says, uh, Pope Francis on Sunday presided over the beatification of Pope John Paul I, the former patriarch of Venice, who in 1978 first charmed and then shocked the world when his reign as the, quote, smiling Pope, close quote, proved to be the shortest in history, just 33 days long. So as Pope, he didn't really get to do anything. Uh, But uh, uh, as a cardinal before the Pope, um, I've heard rumors or reports that he actually opposed Humani Vitae, for instance. But I don't, I don't know much about him beyond that, to be honest with you, to be frank, because uh, we don't know much. He didn't have much time. So, but somehow uh, he is now being elevated to, to the, the canon here. The article goes on to say, if he is eventually canonized, Blessed John Paul I would join St. John XXIII, St. Paul VI, and St. John Paul II, to form a string of four consecutive sainted popes. Four saint popes, or even three saint popes, and a blessed is unusual in modern Catholic history. But in the 2,000 years of Catholic history, is it really that odd to see a streak of four consecutive popes recognized for holiness? When did the church last see four saints in a row occupy the Sea of Peter. That's the that's the essential question of this particular article. And there's a wonderful graphic here they put together to to demonstrate v- visually very quickly that you see the earliest times of the church. 
that first 500 years, you get a lot of saints because a lot of them were martyred. Okay, that, that goes a long way. When you are being killed for the faith, that goes a long way. But beyond that, when you get to the, the last 1,000 years, it becomes way, way more sparse in that regard. It says the holy beginnings, 81 popes are saints, and an additional 10 have been beatified. Of those 81, 49 began their pontificates within the first 500 years of the church's history. Pope St. Symmachus was the 49th. He became Pope in 498 AD, although if you are a stickler, you'll note that his pontificate lasted until 514. So he became, uh, hmm, interesting, do the math. He, uh, he became Pope in 498. He uh, died in uh, four, 514. Interesting. Indeed, during those first 500 years, only two men served as Pope have not been recognized as saints. Pope Liberius, who was Pope from 352 to 366, is not considered a saint in the Latin Church, although the Eastern Orthodox churches do regard him as one. Liberius's uh, pontificate was troubled by the Arian heresy, and the pontiff was imprisoned for a time by Emperor Constantius II, who was sympathetic to the Arians. Nonetheless, it is perhaps because he was considered to have been too accommodating towards the Arians that he is not considered a saint in the West. Before Liberius, a record 35 consecutive popes had been recognized as saints, going all the way back to St. Peter himself. Now, what's interesting about this is, in those days, there wasn't a canonical process. Um, one of the key indicators, there are many people in, that we consider saints, that we have given the name saints to, who didn't go through a canonical process. I mean, all of the uh, Northumbrian saints, they, they tend to fall into this category. So, well, how can we know whether or not they're saints? Well, one of the key indicators, I mean, one, part of it is above our, my personal pay grade, probably yours too. Right. Um, but here's one indicator that we can have. Was there an occult, occultist that popped up right after their passing? Uh, do people begin to pray and ask for their intercession? Did they venerate their relics? Did they come and make pilgrimages to the site of their burials? Those kinds of things are key indicators to the virtuous life lived by the person. So in some cases, uh, if there isn't an occultist around someone and yet they're considered saint, you could reasonably sus be suspicious or ask, ask interesting and deep questions about whether or not that should be legit. And then later in time, of course, we did have uh, a canonical process established. We used to have what they used to call the devil's advocate, which was done away with under uh, St. John Paul II, which I wish they'd bring back. And the devil's advocate's job was to ensure that they didn't leave a single stone unturned in investigating the life of the person. Was there any fault? Was there any issues in their life that we just weren't, wasn't public that we should know about? We should consider, uh, for instance, if I'm not mistaken, under St. Pius X, there was grave concern about the fact that the guy smoked. He smoked like a, stack, a, a chimney stack. I mean, uh, was that his only weakness? Was that his only uh, fault? It's, he still passed the canonical uh, test, and we call him a saint today. The article goes through the different uh, uh, eras of the church, and in another graph you can see that from the first 500 years, that is the significant portion of popes who have been declared, or we call saints today. The second 500 years is about half of the first 500 years, and then going beyond that, it is significantly less than that first thousand years in the church. The last thousand, significantly less 
than the first thousand. Should be interesting and telling to you about the situation. The, uh, then the last part of this article says the modern era has seen the longest gaps between canonization popes or canonized popes rather from the resignation of Pope St. Celestine V, which Pope Francis just visited, by the way. He's the guy who uh, retired prior to Benedict XVI. In 1294, the election of Pope St. Pius V in 1566, 272 years passed without the papal throne being occupied by a man who went on to be canonized. An even longer gap of 331 years stretched from the death of Pope St. Pius V in 1572 to the election of St. Pius X in 1902. In that sense, although the total number of canonized popes in the last 500 years is not exceptional, the fact that three of the four most recently deceased popes are saints, while the fourth is beatified, is highly unusual. So that's the summary of of this article out of the pillar. You should read it because it's it's very fascinating how they go through the different eras, and I would encourage you to do so. But here's the question I want to take this further. So you've got uh, John the 23rd, St. John the 23rd. You've got uh, St. Paul the 6th. You've got now Blessed John the 1st, St. JP too. Uh, you, I, re- I remember when uh, JP2 died, Sancto Subido, they wanted him canonized right away. He had a, a, an incredible and popular following, um, telling of the man's life in many ways, I would say. But uh, nonetheless, how could it be that we have uh, the papal saints come marching in in an era where the world doesn't seem to match that? And here's what I mean. I looked up just this morning... Uh, from Kara's uh, website, the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate. This is hosted by Georgetown University. I looked up their stats. They hold the stats for the church. So you could visit them, kara.georgetown.edu, and you, you'll be able to find the information I am looking at right now. They have, over the past 50 years, kept stats on the church for the United States and the world at large. Now, let me summarize some of these stats with you, but let me just put this uh, scenario in your mind for a second. Imagine you are, you are the CEO of an organization, a big company, a large company, worldwide company. And uh, imagine if the board were calling you to the carpet and asking you to give an account for the stats that I'm reading you. How long would you last as CEO if these were your stats and your, your progress report as CEO of the company? So th- these are the stats. I'm going to summarize some of them for you. But again, you can find all this data at kara.georgetown.edu. So let me look at the worldwide one, and then I'll get into some specifics on the U.S. very quickly here. Worldwide, religious priests are down by 12%. Doesn't seem like that much, but 12% worldwide. Religious sisters and brothers are down by 44% in uh, the last 50 years. Uh, parishes without a priest. There are more parishes today by 12% than there were 50 years ago. Baptisms of infants are down by 15% worldwide. Marriages between Catholic sacramental marriages are down 44% worldwide. Confirmations, we're confirming more people today by 4%. That's interesting. But first communions are down by 11% over the past 50 years uh, uh, worldwide. Those are the worldwide stats. Here's the U.S. stats. They get staggeringly worse. In the United States, the total number of priests are down by 50, 52%. Priestly ordinations are down by 58%. Permanent deacons way up by 182%. So we have a lot less priests and a lot more permanent deacons. 
Religious sisters are down by 121% in the last 50 years. Religious brothers are down by 101%. Religious priests are down by 69%. Parishes without a pastor. There are now 3,377 parishes in the United States with no pastor as compared to 571 in 1970. Baptisms of infants are down by 90% in America. Baptisms of adults, 108% less today than 50 years ago. Confirmations since 1990 have gone down by 18% in America. First communion since 1990 are down by 65%. In America, marriages since 1970 are down by 126%. Weekly mass attendance is down by 104% in America. Allegations of sexual abuse of minors. Well, this is the good one. So take comfort and hope. There are 199% fewer sexual allegations of clergy today than there are in 1970. Those numbers are horrible numbers. And if you had to give an account, if those were your numbers as the CEO of a large worldwide company, and there were only down, 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 bad, 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 you'd be fired. You'd be shown the door. So we live in an era that's not great. In fact, if you look at Pew Research Study, it says in the last five years alone, the affiliate, the unaffiliated have increased from just over 15% to just under 20% of all U.S. adults. Their ranks now include more than 13 million self-described atheists and agnostics, nearly 6% of the U.S. public, as well as nearly 33 million people who say they have no particular religious affiliation. They're going from Christianity and belief to atheism. How do we have a whole chain of saintly popes, but a world that seems to be decaying faster and faster around us. Let's pray fast and do penance and convert the world. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society, it is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the Statehouse, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I am Mike Koeniger, and these are your headlines. Germany reverts to burning coal and keep two nuclear plants open ahead of winter months. Germany is slated to burn coal and keep two nuclear plants open amid soaring energy prices, according to a Monday statement from Economy Minister Robert Habeck. 
The European nation imported roughly 55% of its gas from Russia before the invasion of Ukraine and has since reduced its dependence to 35%. Although Germany had originally planned to shutter its three remaining nuclear plants, the nation's federal government announced that it will keep nuclear facilities ISAR-2 and NEC-R-Vestheim open as reserve sources of power. Pregnant woman chooses with terminal cancer, survives, chooses life. Jessica Hanna, a mother of four, was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer when she was 14 weeks pregnant. Several doctors advised her to have an abortion, but she declined, choosing life instead. A devout Catholic, Hannah turned to her faith to help her get through the difficult times. After each chemotherapy treatment, she prayed at the tomb of Blessed Father Solanus Casey, a soon-to-be saint whose body is buried in Detroit, her hometown. After she gave birth, her scans were clear. There was no sign that cancer had spread to other organs or lymph nodes. Her once terminal diagnosis was now curable. She named her son Thomas Solanus. Her case has been submitted for the canonization of Blessed Father Solanus Casey. Praise God. Scientists iron out the bugs to harness cyborg roaches for rescue work. An international team led by researchers at the Rikon Cluster for pioneering research has engineered a system for creating remote-controlled cyborg cockroaches. I find that a little scary, by the way. Equipped with tiny wireless control module that is powered by a rechargeable battery attached to a solar cell, despite the mechanical devices, ultra-thin electronics and flexible materials allow the insects to move freely. Scientists have been trying to design cyborg insects, part insect, part machine, to help inspect hazardous areas and monitor the environment. And those are your headlines. Remember to pray the rosary. What could go wrong, Mike? I don't know what your cyborg roaches. I mean, this would make my wife very happy, I'm sure. I mean, by the way, Joe, hope my mom wasn't listening to me messing up those German words. Yeah, better you than me, my friend. Better you than me. I, I would get them wrong no matter what I did. But praise be to God. Thank you, Mike, for keeping us up to date on the news. We're very grateful to you. Joining us right now. Uh, via telephone is Kevin O'Neill, good friend of mine, and uh, a few years ago put out the Lego Catechism, uh, great resource, and uh, we're uh, got we're looking forward to just under a month from now seeing the next release, the Holy Mass on Earth as it is in Heaven. So praise be to God, Kevin O'Neill. Good morning to you. How are you? Good. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, thank you. Praise be to God. It's good to uh, hear your voice. You and I haven't talked in a long time, so. Uh, uh, glad to have you back. Um, can we start with, let's go back. Let's let's tell the story. How in the world did you get caught up in creating uh, books uh, using Legos to teach the faith? Yeah, isn't that, uh, that's the big question. We, you know, it, it really began in about 2008 when I got into a car accident and ended up uh, having knee surgery. I, I lost half of my kneecap in a, in a car accident. And that really put me on a journey of faith. And I learned the faith. I started a landscaping company. All I did was listen to Catholic audio. And then, uh, and, and I started really understanding the faith in such a way that even just through general conversations, people would say, you know, Kevin, you should write a book. And I said, no, you should just read the books I've read. And then one day my son, came up to me and they had a book, uh, which was a Bible illustrated with the same format. And so it's called the brick Bible. And he starts asking questions and I open that up and I realize it is absolutely blasphemous. And I said, you know what, we're getting rid of this. 
And he said, you know, but I really like the pictures. Can we do this? And I thought, hey, you know what? I should write a book. <laughs> and so, and I said, we're going we're gonna to write a book and we're going to illustrate it with, with Legos. And you know what? I, I was never the biggest fan of, of Legos growing up. Uh, really? So the two things I never thought I would do would, was write a book or, or play with Legos. <laughs> and here I am. So please, parents, don't tell your children I am kind of living a lie. Yeah, I was going to say, grown men, uh, should grown men be playing with Legos? Uh, that's the question of the day. Although on YouTube, I see it all the time. But uh, nonetheless, um, I remember, I was sharing this a little bit earlier, uh, we picked up the Brick Bible, and we, we just thought, oh, how cool. I mean, our kids love Legos. And uh, I remember my oldest son, and I, this is uh, not a proud dad moment here, but I remember my oldest son, Stephen, he brought it to us and said, I don't know, this just doesn't look good. We're like, what do you mean? It's Legos. What could go wrong? And then mm-hmm. he sh- he showed us some few things that we didn't see, and we were like, oh, oh wow, that's horrible, like perverse. And then yes. uh, we started doing the research, and the author of that book had a real perverse background, and it was clear that the that the author was trying to peddle this perversity on little children. Right. And and one of the things we noticed, too, and witnessed in our own home was how repetitive the children picked it up. They they picked it up over and over and over again. That was probably it was one of those worn books in in our home and uh, and it just a Trojan horse of, uh, again, of blasphemy that yeah. was in my home. And well, the sexual perversities we, also were just really horrible. Uh, you, you said it. Yeah. Uh, we That's threw ours away. What did you guys do with yours? Like we threw we threw ours in the garbage. We were like not giving this to anybody. We threw ours away as well. Uh, you know, once there's once there's something that's blasphemous, you you burn it <laughs> so that's uh yeah that's ours ours heated the house for five seconds <laughs> well we didn't want the uh the fumes of the ink and whatever in our <laughs> house so we just threw it away but that's that's brilliant so um and then when i remember when i heard of you doing the lego catechism i was like this is fantastic this is exactly what should be happening uh someone creating something good with the use of legos because legos are a brilliant toy that have fascinated millions of children and young people. So why not leverage that for the glory of God and salvation of souls? Exactly. And then, and, and to, to be completely honest too, that is just the gimmick. We use real theology. We use real typology and it teaches to the long-term memory of children. And that's what is so important in, in my opinion about the book, having, you know, our ninth child on the way, and as a parent, always looking for resources and specifically looking for resources that pull. The second I saw that this is a resource that pulls, I knew that we needed to go ahead and do this and bring this to our faith. Mm. You know, uh, like what you said a minute ago, it uses real theology. And I thought that was another thing that was pretty impressive about the first one, the Lego Catechism. And, um, it was that you didn't pull punches in the sense that sometimes we think kids can't handle it. Like we, we think they can't handle deeper thought, deeper theological or philosophical thought. And so we, so we kind of go the opposite direction. Instead of making it understandable at their level, we just don't give it to them at all. We give them fluff and, and sort of this surface level stuff. Whereas I felt the catechism, Lego catechism that you put out the first uh, book 
gave great biblical typology and theology and apologetics in a way that the kids could consume it, understand it, wrap their heads around it, and and just open up a whole new world to them. I thought that was the brilliant part about the whole thing. You know, that's a th- you said it with children that look just because something is profound doesn't mean it's complicated. And we pretend that you have to be a theologian to understand the profound teachings of our church, but the profound teachings of our church are the exact teachings that you're supposed to know and run away with. That's why we have the stained glass windows there to help bring it to our memory Mm. and, and recall. And that's really what our book is. It's like a giant stained glass window of typological teaching. And so, for example, Look, kids can can remember this, and so can adults. And we, in our first book and in our second book, we do this too. But anytime there's cross pollination, we actually take it a little bit further. So in our first book and second book, we have these these points here. So imagine five, six pictures on one side and six on the other, and we show how sin comes into the world, the same way that sin leaves the world. So sin comes into the world. God walks with man, we see him in a garden, the Garden of Eden. We see a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, at a tree. They take the fruit from the tree, they eat it, and sin and death enter in. Children should know that. Adults should know that. Then on the other side, we show sin leaves the world the same way. Jesus, who is God, walks with man. We see him in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. We see a man and a woman, our Lord and our Lady, at a tree, the cross, but this time the fruit is put back on the tree, and that's scriptural. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. We have to eat from the fruit of that tree, which is the Eucharist taken from the tree of life, so that sin and death can leave the world. And if that's not enough, now here's where we go a little further in the new book with the explanation, and we show how when they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden and sin came into the world, a fiery sword was drawn in the east of the Garden of Eden so they couldn't re-enter. And when sin was leaving the world, what does Christ tell Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane? Sheath your sword. So in one garden, a sword is drawn. In the next garden, a sword is sheathed. When they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, the ground was cursed with thorns. When Christ left the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes our curse and crowns himself with it. And this is salvation history. Look, a kid can learn that. Anybody sitting at home going, wow, I never knew that. You know, that's that's the beauty of our faith. It should unfold to us throughout our entire lives. But to tell me that a child can't learn that the ground was cursed with thorns and Christ took our curse and crowned himself with it, you're not giving children enough credit. Yeah, you're definitely not. Hold that thought, though. Kevin O'Neill is our guest. We're talking about uh, his work, his family's work on the Lego Catechism. This next release is coming out in 23 days. It's called The Holy Mass. Uh, By the way, you can find details about this at UponThisBlock.com. That's UponThisBlock.com. More about this and that new book coming up right after this very quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, themensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. I'll never forget going to to a friend's house down the road. I mean, it was probably like 1983 or something. And man, that guy had like the Lego Utopia. I mean, like every Lego, every Star Wars Lego in particular. I mean, I was so jealous, just salivating over his Lego collection. I went back to my like, uh, you know, goodwill... <laughs> collection pile. of whatever a pile of whatever I could piece together. I made the same three objects every time, but whatever. Uh, I'm not bitter or jealous or jaded. <laughs> Welcome back to the program, Kevin O'Neill. Uh, the, by the way, again, that website is uponthisblock.com. Kevin, uh, tell me, how much do you have invested in Legos at this point? I mean, have you remortgaged the house? Oh, just about. I'll tell you what, though. They, they, uh, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's been a pretty penny and they show up to our mailbox quite, quite a bit when we're really plugging away. Uh, but after owning a landscaping company and having uh, engines break and all of that other stuff, this is, uh, this is the way to go. <laughs> so <laughs> it works out. But, uh, I would say we've invested, uh, probably about 70 square feet. Let's put it that way. 70 square feet. Seven, <laughs> like, wow, like walk-in closet size. We're talking. Oh, there's, yeah, we've we've got a studio going with all of the lights, and and it's uh, it's it's it takes a lot to really pull this off. And thanks be to God, we've been able to do so. And we have the children, and my wife, and everybody puts forth so much effort, and uh, it 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 really is a sacrifice as we sit there and go through it. But it's just. It's so worth it. I mean, uh, and, and if I can mention a few of the things in the new book really quickly, yeah, go uh, ahead. the, you know, the beauty of this is, is again, teaching the mass. And the big question we get from people also, uh, you know, uh, constantly is, well, which mass are you teaching? We're not teaching a particular mass per se, whether it be the Novus Ordo or the traditional Latin mass. We do use high altars. Mm-hmm. We express the beauty of the church. We use real Catholic art. But anybody, we're really showing the Mass as the new exodus. And that's the important thing, to see the reality that we're participating in. Because in the end, saying which Mass is it about is like saying which crucifixion are we at? Mm. We're at the crucifixion. And so when you, when, what we've done here is we've said, uh, or, so unbeknownst to most people, you know, God didn't just tell Moses to say, let my people go, as Charlton Heston delivered the line. But he said, let my people go so that they may worship me. 
and he leads them into the wilderness, and he teaches them how to worship him. And what does that look like? Here's how you deploy the priesthood. Here's the anointing oils you're to use. Here are the oils for ordination that you're to use. Here's how I want you to build the tent of worship. This is how you build the altar. These are the linens. These are the candles. This is the incense I want you to use. This is how you build the tabernacle. And then God, who dwells upon the mountain, places himself within the tabernacle and overshadows it as well, fire and uh, fire by night and cloud by day. And, and you take a look and you hear that and you go, Oh my gosh, that's a liturgy, the priesthood, candles, incense. And then you just take that and fulfill it. Christ crucified upon the mountain places himself within our tabernacle and forget meeting place. This is now the joining place, the union between God and his people. And when we follow the mass to the mountain, as we're supposed to do, we should see certain things. And this is where we illustrate this and help children see the reality that they're participating in. And I'm going to start with this verse that echoes throughout the Old and New Testament. And God says, I will make a new covenant with my people. I will put it in their hearts and write it on their minds. And when we see Moses go up the mountain, he comes down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, the New Covenant, the law of God, and the Word of God written with the finger of God in stone. The finger of God wrote the Ten Commandments in stone. When we're at Mass, the priest ascends the holy mountain of Calvary, and he comes down with the Eucharist, the New Covenant, the Word made flesh, the law fulfilled. And St. Paul says it best. He says this new covenant, not written on tablets of stone, but written on the fleshy tablets of our hearts. And we get to receive our Lord. And the same finger of God that wrote the law into the Ten Commandments now breaks through the stone of our hearts and writes the law into our hearts so that we can be become another Christ. We are to be Christ to the world. It is not I who live, but he who lives in me. And when you look at this, this transformation of the heart, what is every single Eucharistic miracle? They're all heart tissue. And this is the beauty of the mass that we're showing. We're showing the procession beginning to the east. Guess which way the Exodus took place? Hmm. It was to the east. The promised land was to the east of Egypt. And uh, and, and even when you look at Christ as the new Moses and God teaches us this liturgy, and let's just bring it, let's bring everything together here. Look, you had Moses, who's your main guy. He had his inner circle of Aaron and his sons. He had the 12 and the 72. Now you have Christ, who's uh, the main guy, and that's not for a lack of a better word. Uh, and he has his inner circle, Peter, James, John, the mm-hmm. 12 and the 72. It's shortly after the 72 come back. That's the only time they ask Christ, our Lord, our God, teach us how to pray. And he teaches them the Our Father. And if you look, both Matthew and Luke's accounts of the Our Father are based on their liturgical understanding. And so all of a sudden in the Mass, we have this peculiar moment where we have the perfect sacrifice and the perfect prayer. And the perfect prayer is said right after the perfect sacrifice of the Eucharist is brought forth. And guess what? The Our Father begins by invoking the name of God. Our Mm. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and acknowledging him as Father. The Mass begins the very same way. After we invoke God's name in the Our Father, heaven and earth come together. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the Mass, in the liturgy, heaven and earth come together. 
After heaven and earth come together in the Our Father, the very next line is, give us this day our super substantial bread. It is not a pizza. It is not a hot dog. This is the epiousias. This is the bread of life, the manna come down from heaven. And after heaven and earth come together in the mass, we are given this. Mm. In the Our Father, after we receive the super substantial bread, and for anybody out there wondering why I'm saying that, that is how St. Jerome translated it. And after we're given the super substantial bread, then what does the prayer ask us to do? Uh, We beg for forgiveness of sins. And then we forgive those who trespass against us because we can't forgive without the life of Christ in us first. And then what does Christ say? This is for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then the Our Father sends us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Mass literally means to send. And so when we're in the Mass and we're in the liturgy and we're seeing this new exodus that our Lord has given us, this new journey that we participate in is a liturgical one. It's led by the priesthood. It, we're sustained by the manna, and it's all to get to the promised land. Yeah. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, beautiful illustrations. It's a hardbound book, if I'm not mistaken, uh, just like the last one. Right. And uh, who who was responsible for the Lego builds on this? Did you do that? Did your kids do that? Who Who, who built all the sets? Well, I'm the least talented person here. Uh, when it when it when it comes to the sets, my wife and my uh, second oldest son Liam are artists, and what they what they accomplish is incredible. I just sit there and say, "Oh, well, you know, in the Bible, this would be maybe this way," uh, and then that's about it. I'm a consultant, but what they build and what they do is uh, second to none. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, one of the pictures on the website upon this block.com uh, for the book. And uh, boy, there is a beautiful Lego set here of the Holy Mass. It kind of reminds me of uh, of uh, St. John Cantius up in Chicago. That's exactly what it's modeled after. In fact, Father Joshua, who joins us in our journey in the book, is uh, the the head of of the order of St. John Cantius. And so, yeah, uh, that's that's it. I mean, Liam, as you were asking, he 3D printed those little statues that you can see in the front. Oh, wow. Because we do try to use real Catholic art. Yeah, you can't find statues that small. Mm. So we 3D print them and put them in. And uh, the entire book, uh, the illustrations in it, the builds in it have mm-hmm. gone a, up a level. Now, we've actually purchased a mass set for Legos for our boys years, a couple of years back, a few years back, whatever it was. Uh, maybe you guys could uh, box this set up and sell this because this looks quite lovely. You you don't want to know what I paid for all those Legos. <laughs> oh, maybe maybe I should talk to your wife about all this. <laughs> it's an investment. It is Kevin. actually it's... what we pl- what we plan to do with that is uh, donate it to the the canons of Saint John Cantus to use at their gala, oh, cool. so that they can go ahead and raffle it off uh, yeah. or keep it at their church, whatever they decide. But we're not tearing that one down. Yeah, praise be to God. It's a very detailed and uh, an excellent uh, excellent build there. Which is very cool in a world where, like I like I was saying earlier, there are entire YouTube channels dedicated to Lego building. I mean, they're very extensive, very detailed, ornate. They go to shows. There's competitions, and they they box them up in special crates. You know, it's just amazing to see what people do with these bricks. 
And yet to see it being leveraged to not just create something interesting to look at, but something that teaches something so fundamentally necessary for the salvation of souls and to give glory to God. I mean, that's, that's something that's even more powerful and profound. And then to see that look in the, in the kids' eyes when they go through it, and then things start to click, and they start to register the deeper truths behind these things and the mass that they may be attending with their parents on Sunday. So I highly encourage everybody to check this book out. When's it going to be released, and how do people get it? I'm going to, uh, praise be to God, it's, it's uh, published through Sophia Press, and because I have the great privilege of living in the state of Illinois, uh, <laughs> we have the printing press is actually in Illinois, so I get to go ahead and pick it up. I will have it several weeks before wow. uh, anybody else. And so I can, we will, we are in fact allowing free shipping to all of your listeners if they enter promo code GRN. Uh, but I should have it in my hands on September 29th. And from there, Exciting. we will begin shipping it out. So I'm picking it up with uh, wet ink. So it's going to be in available in time for Christmas orders. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, it will be shipped probably mid to late October through. Mm. Sophia Press and in stores by then as well. So if you want to uh, wait and support your local Catholic bookstore, that's always wonderful as well. Sophia Press is accepting uh, the pre-orders and, and so is uh, Holy Heroes if you wanted to order through them. Uh, but we will have it uh, right away, which is exciting. Awesome. Praise be to God. Kevin O'Neill, God bless you, my friend. Good catching up with you and congratulations oh, on your right. second release. We're praying for it to be wildly successful like the first one. If you're looking for information about the book, go to Upon This Block. B-L-O-C-K. Uponthisblock.com. Kevin O'Neill, God bless you. God love you, my friend. Have a great day. God bless you. Thanks, Joe. Take care. All right. If you can join us in the next hour, David L. Gray is going to be on to catch us up. What's going on in a Dutch diocese that's shutting down masses? All that and more uh, coming up next hour at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Hi, this is Sister Didi Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. 
Hi, this is Carrie Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Hi there, Chris Thornhill here from St. Rose of Lima. And you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Great catching up with Kevin. The Lego Catechism. This look, this next one looks really good, too. The, the builds look amazing. Yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, so if, uh, if you were a fan of the Lego Catechism, you're going to love this next one. The Holy Mass. Uh, again, comes out in 23 days. Uponthisblock.com. For the details, if you missed our conversation last hour, we were talking about leveraging Legos to teach the faith and evangelize. And uh, I really encourage you to check that conversation out on our podcast feed, which you can find linked up at our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Or you can simply uh, subscribe to us via your Google Play Store. Look for the Catholic Drive Time podcast, a Spotify. I'm pretty sure we're on Spotify. You can also go to the uh, iTunes store and look for the Catholic Drive Time podcast there. Although, just caveat, uh, according to uh, according to Vladimir Putin in Russia, you are required, required under law, uh, international treaty, to leave us a five-star review uh, on iTunes. So take that for... Whatever it's worth, if you're going to hang out with us via iTunes store, you have to leave us a five-star review. Just I don't make the rules. You know, they are what they are. But probably the best way, and avoid having to listen to Vladimir Putin at any time, uh, is to just simply download the mobile app, the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app, which you can find in your iOS and Android app stores, and you can get it for free. It Not only can you get our podcast there in the flyout, but you can also... Listen to your local GRN radio station live 24-7, clear as crystal. You can get your contact information for the local station, programming information, and much, much more. So download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app in your app store today. Best way to uh, stay connected to us. But praise be to God, uh, David L. Gray is still in America and has not yet abandoned us for, for uh, Deutschland. Good morning to you, David L. Gray. Good morning, gentlemen. How's it going? How much time do we have left with you? In uh, in America, um, today would be my my last show, probably for a few weeks. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, yeah, this is no. Ah, uh, I may have to celebrate <laughs> with bratwurst later today. Uh, sauerkraut <laughs> or something. <laughs> some sauerkraut, huh? like a New Year, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's right. <laughs> now, you guys, you, I assume you're gonna be your housing and all that is all ready to go. You don't have to figure that part out. You guys are you're good there. 
Yeah, we have our temporary housing already set up. And so we're going to, once we get over there, we'll find a place that we're going to, you know, move into for a while. So Yeah, good. Praise God. Don't, don't yeah. look too happy about it, though, Dave. <laughs> Germany's a beautiful place. You're going to love it, my friend. Just think. I know. Just yeah, think. I wish I was going over there, not yeah. like heading into winter, though, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> well, uh, that and the fact that they're all looking for wood stoves and firewood because there's no energy. And there's exactly. Energy crisis. Other than that, okay. Yeah. It's I like to get in that. shape, though. I heard that, like, chopping down a tree can really help the yes. midsection. Yes, and <laughs> you look better in your lederhosen. Uh, you're going to look like, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be impressive. Uh, but just think, for the first time in your life, you can go 200 miles an hour on the highway, and the cops won't be chasing you. I mean, this, is, this is bonus. That's incredible. This is, that's incredible. That's a dream. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to film that for me. I would like to see that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> anyway, yeah, David's getting ready to go to Germany. Praise be to God. Let's pray for him and his family. Uh, but let's let's turn to something a little less uh, interesting than your trip to Germany, and that is just north of you, your, your Dutch neighbors. Uh, I saw an article out of the Catholic News Agency. It says, Dutch Diocese abandons rule to offer Mass in every parish on Sundays. What's going down here? It was not something I could really figure out at first because I was looking at the numbers. So we're talking about this area is like triple the size of, um, say, it's triple the size of, say, yeah. Dallas. Um, it has like double the parishes, about the same size, you know, Dallas and Chicago, like square area size, about, you know, similar. But mm-hmm. I was looking at the numbers of Chicago and Chicago, um, has about 24 seminarians. This place has 43 seminarians, um, this diocese. Um, it has 286 parishes, 419 priests, 61 deacons, has seven basilicas. 96% of the population is Catholic. So it has wow. a, about a 1.1 million um, people who live in the diocese in one Point eight nine million of them is Catholic, so ninety percent of the diocese is That's Catholic, but massive about twenty five twenty seven percent of them actually believe. Okay, so <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and these are numbers based. This is from two thousand six numbers. It says that you know most seventy five percent of people uh, kind of agnostic, maybe believe in yeah. God. Only twenty seven percent are actually you know believe in God. We don't know how many of that twenty seven percent believe in the Eucharist. Hey, so David, this is the issue. David, They've stop been questioning the new springtime of evangelization. Okay, <laughs> okay, just go with it. All right. All right. So yes, I, I really couldn't figure it out. You're like, what's going on in this area that is like so Catholic? It has seems to have a healthy seminary system, a lot of parishes, a lot of priests. But so what's been going on is that, like I said, it's a huge area. Um, so that's an issue. And since 2016, they've been trying not to close parishes. They said, we're not going to close. So at first they said, okay, no more weekly, no more daily mass. So they just yeah. went to Sundays. So now six years later, they're at a point they're saying, okay, um, we just don't have enough resources, not enough volunteers um, for the churches to open. And so we're just going to go to every other Sunday mass. And the, and the bishop recognizes in, in his letter that, um, that, the Eucharist is the source and summit of the faith. He, say, he says a church cannot exist without Sunday Mass, but we just don't have the resources. We just do not have the volunteers. There's some high gas costs. You know, there's some fuel issues here keeping these places open. And so this is, um, and he says next, we're going to have to just look at closures. So yeah. it, it looks like a different approach than a lot of American dioceses. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I, uh, I became Catholic in New England. 
And uh, I, I, I picked the, the most for Actually, it wasn't me. It was St. Padre Pio. But I became a Catholic at a time where uh, the sex abuse scandal was just primed and ready to, to break in Boston. And uh, I remember reading the headlines after that broke, and I thought, what did I get myself into? I left the Freemasons yeah. for this? Really? And, uh, and it, was, it was shocking to me. And then, of course, that was coupled. So you had the sex abuse and the fact that nobody was going to church at the same time. It was a major kind of explosion. So I was witnessing firsthand these dioceses all throughout New England consolidate parish communities mm. and sell properties off. And then there were big protests, and people were doing sit-ins. And they were refusing to uh, to leave because they didn't want to see their parish closed. And the police were brought in to to bring them out. And uh, I remember one coworker said to me, "They're closing my parish. You know that's where I receive my sacraments." And I, I said to her, "I said I'm so sorry. It must be painful every Sunday when you go to mass to to know that it's going to be closed." And she's like, "Well, I don't go to mass." <coughs> I'm like, "Well, then why do you like? If it doesn't mean anything to you, then." Like, what are you trying to sell me here? You're selling me a bill of goods. I mean, like, yeah, so yeah. you have some fond memory of First Communion or something, but beyond yeah. that, it means nothing. So uh, what, what are you complaining about, right? But uh, is there that going on in, uh, in, the, in, du- in the Dutch community there? Is, is it just sort of like some sentimental value to them or, or what? How do we understand this? Yeah, so the, the, the whole diocese, the whole area, in the Netherlands, the numbers is that about Four percent of Catholics go to church in this diocese of Roryman, where this is going on, where they're setting down Sunday mass for a lot of parishes in the in the, in the smaller districts in the villages. About it's about the same three to four percent of these one nearly one point one million Catholics actually go to mass on Sundays. So at some of these parishes, how much no you one said four? Even there, do you say four? Yeah, three to four percent. That's it. Yeah, that's. That's a tragedy. I mean, what, what, I guess what else is the bishop supposed to do? He doesn't have the priest to maintain the, 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 these parishes. Nobody's showing up. That definitely means they're not putting money into the, the plate to help pay the electric bill or right. the gas heating or whatever, however they heat the building. Right. So uh, I guess what else is he supposed to do besides yeah. and evangelize it, it was, the was, world? And some people, some people look at the numbers. They say, well, you have 419 priests and you have 286 parishes. That's, it, it seemed like you would have at least one, but it's so spread out. Mm. And these priests are showing up at, at these churches and, you know, two people are there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's, 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 it's a sad situation. Yeah, that happened to us in Boston back in 2012. We went to a, a, a mass at, a, at a Charleston Bay and we went to a mass at a local parish. And there was literally two families. I mean, there were almost more altar servers, or I should say altar girls, than there were, uh, than there were the families <laughs> attending Mass. And it was such a tragedy just to see that. So, um, well, I, on one hand, I'm like, well, you know, he's got to do something, obviously. He's going to have to make some tough decisions. When you're, when you're the CEO of an organization, you sometimes got to make tough choices. But on the other hand, I think they're avoiding the one answer to the whole problem. He has what he does have on his hands. This bishop in in uh, the Netherlands has an opportunity to evangelize his his diocese, to preach the gospel so boldly that it will change the hearts, the lukewarm, the hardened hearts, the dull um, the dull consciences of his of his people. Why why is that not an option for them? And he does seem to have the resources, at least for that. He has a lot of religious communities, like I said, a lot of basilicas. He has a shrine, and he has. A um, bunch of brothers and sisters as well. So it, it seems to be a good. Op- uh, um, he has the resources to 
really treat his diocese as a mission territory and have people go out on mission to re-evangelize it. Man, it's such an, you have to, and so see, you have so many cultural Catholics here. They mm. receive the sacraments. 90%, of, 96% of the population is, has, has been at least baptized. I mean, who wouldn't want that as an opportunity to just go out there and just evangelize and bring people back into the church and to resuscitate this place? Um, man, I, you know, I wish I could speak the language there. I, I would just love to just go around and like John the Baptist, you know, with a, you know, with a, with a hairnet on my back or something like that. This looks <laughs> like a great opportunity. <laughs> and, and wooden clogs on your feet, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mike? <laughs> Quick question. Do they have a church tax in the Netherlands like most of those northern European countries do where they're taxing people whether they go or not? You know, I, I wanted to look into that. I didn't get an opportunity to. So, but yeah, I was, I was wondering about that myself. So I, I would venture to guess they do, Joe. Yeah. It's I, just my guess. The, the numbers that, that uh, David, you're giving us would be an indicator to me that they probably do have that church tax because what you, you have like 90% Catholic still identifying as Catholic on paper. But 4% going to Mass, uh, that tells me the church is probably like Germany and that they get their funding through the state. And yeah. so it becomes a numbers game at that point. It's You almost don't care who comes to Mass. I mean, I'm sure they care, but let's just, for the sake of the conversation, you just want them to identify. That helps to keep your coffers high, your ta- you know your kickback high. Uh, so whether or not they come to Mass is a secondary issue. But again, I just think, golly, you as what an opportunity if the bishop showed up in his miter his crozier you know in full vestments in the town square and uh preached boldly just imagine how that would shock and awe like is that that that's the bishop i i I didn't even know like like it would blow their mind right could you imagine could you imagine if if bishops took full use of the power of their office to evangelize their diocese like just go for the jugular like, what do they have to lose? Are they going to end up closing more parishes? I mean, it can only go up from here, right? Right? Yeah, you've gotten rid of Sunday Mass uh, for um, two times out of the month. And so, yeah, I mean, where do you go from here? And so, yeah, I, I would agree with you that it, it was it would tend to be logical that the reason why he hasn't closed parishes and that they're hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging um, as far as paying for electric bills is because mm-hmm. the government is funding some of this here. But, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yikes. It just shows. It just shows that either either we have some bishops do not have supernatural faith, or they do not mm-hmm. truly believe. Because as you said, this is his opportunity. God, man, lay some hands on people, heal yeah. somebody. I mean, that's, Jesus still does that. That's right. Uh, and you're the bishop, so. okay? <laughs> so you are you are the apostle in that diocese. So amazing opportunity. But okay, last question. As we are running out of time with David O'Gray, uh, how can a Catholic keep their Sunday obligation if they're not offering mass in their parishes? Mm-hmm. So what he wants to do is he wants to consolidate some parishes as well. So the, the Sunday obligation is still in place. He wants Catholics to go to some more mo- metropolitan areas, leave the villages, leave I the see. districts, and they come gotta, to places where they do still offer Sunday Mass every yeah. every Sunday. So kind of like me, we got to get in the car and drive an hour to Mass every Sunday yeah. while I pass three or four dozen other churches on my way in. <clears throat> so welcome to the club. Praise be to God. The Dutch are getting it. Anyway, I joke. I'm teasing. It's just a joke. David L. Gray, davidlgray.info. God bless you, my friend. So two weeks off for you, and then I guess we'll see you back here in three weeks. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Praise be God. Happy trails to you, my brother. Safe travels to you and your family. 
And we'll see you soon. Hey, coming up after this very quick break is Fear and Trembling Time, where we like to let our hair down and have a laugh and give out prizes. You could win 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. Be right back. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55 and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, Scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when Scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. And you might learn them, but more importantly, you might win prizes. And that's the real kicker. So call now for your chance to play our game and win prizes at 877-757-9424. It's easy, I promise. 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. There are a few things we like to do on the game show that we just keep on the down low, the secret. So just don't tell anybody. But number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions, and you're going to learn something, praise be to God. At least one thing today, probably, uh, yeah, just one thing. The other two, you probably already knew. But nonetheless, you're going to learn one thing. That's always a good thing. 
And, uh, of course, we like to have a laugh. Our callers laugh with us. They joke with us. We, we appreciate that most, I think, especially when they pick up that phone and dial 877-757-9424. Call right now. Rudy Carlos standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. If it's been a while since you played the game, uh, you can call back 877-757-9424. And then we give out prizes, as I said, which makes this a winner for everybody. It's an incentive. You, you're going to have a good time. You're going to learn something, and you may win something. But the kicker is I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but I don't ask the caller the questions, so they don't need to know. They may not know a single correct answer, but could still win our game. And instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, and I shall ask Mike, and one of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision, whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Mike? That phone number, again, is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. Now, uh, prizes are at stake. Uh, Rudy, uh, what could they win this week? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Mater Christi Apparel, Ooh. and they're generously sponsoring our show this week with a very beautiful shirt, and it features the three hearts. So I mentioned it last week. I'm going to carry the theme this week. We have the Sacred Heart of our Blessed Lord Jesus, the Immaculate Heart of our Blessed Virgin Mary, and the Chase Heart of St. Joseph. And wearing a t-shirt out in public is a great opportunity for you to evangelize the world. So Thank you very much, Mater Christi Apparel. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Mater Christi Apparel, for generously giving us gifts to give away to our listeners. Praise be to God. By the way, I intend this Friday when I send out the CDT Insider email, I send them out every Friday now. Uh, I have to be reminded sometimes, but I this week I will also include a link to Mater Christi Apparel. I will also submit a link in the email to the Lego book that we talked about with Kevin O'Neill about and their free shipping promo code thing uh, they're generously offering. So I will I will put that in Friday's email. So be on our email list if you would like that at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Skylin. Good morning. Praise be to God. How is uh, Midland, Texas these days? It's good. Yeah? And what's Still on the, holding together. What is on the menu at Tony's today? We have, we usually have our Tony sandwiches, we mm-hmm. have our kolache. Ooh. Ooh. Now, is it kolache or is it kolach? I've heard it's supposed to be kolach. <laughs> is that true? Uh, what do the we experts say? Kolaches, but you can call them whatever you want. I see. <laughs> we can call them yum. I call them kolach. <laughs> From Tony's in Midland. All right. Praise be to God, Skyline. You're a veteran. You're a CDT insider. You know how this works. But you've never actually played with Mike Koeniger involved, I'm sure. So you're going to have to be somewhat cautious. Uh, we have yet to determine uh, how tricky he is. Are you? And he's not wearing a tie, by the way. Not, neither of those guys. None of us here are wearing ties today. This is kind of shocking. <laughs> uh, are you ready to play, Skyline? Yes, I am. Let's do this thing. We will start with Mike K because he sits in Rudy's chair today. Uh, good morning to you, Mike. Are you ready, sir? Hey, good morning again. Are you ready? I'm absolutely ready. Let's start Definitely. with let's start with the hardest question of the day. Praise be to God. Uh, could you tell me who was the Pope that was an expert in mountain climbing? 
Oh, you all know my love of the blessed uh, Carl of really? Austria. And what we don't we don't remember uh-huh. is that though we say John Paul II was Polish, he's actually from the part of Poland that was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Really? Uh, so it's John Paul II who, who was an avid skier. So I see the I, okay. You're so we will start with and, Carl. And climber. So we started with Blessed Carl. We ended with Saint JP two. That's that's your answer. Saint JP two, avid skier and mountain climber. Absolutely. Uh, was he a free climber? Did he like ropes? Any idea? No, nothing. Okay. I, I'm not sure what he yeah. did, but but you know, <laughs> he's right. from the region. JP two is your answer. All right. Uh, let's see what Rudy has to say. Rudy, good morning to you. Um, good morning. Hmm, hardest question of the day. Could you tell me who was the Pope? That was an expert in mountain climbing? Well, that's going to be Pius the 11th. Mm-hmm. Oh, the 11th. As in it's 11 o'clock. Huh. You're looking at your Pius clock? Yeah. You got your 12 Piuses there? Yeah. For now. Okay. Uh-huh. It's 11 o'clock. Eleven. So Pius the 11th, you say? Very yes. specific. Not the 10th. Nope. Not the 12th. Nope. The number 11. 10 plus 1, okay. 11. Price 11. Do you know if he was a free climber or do you like ropes? 6 or, plus 5. Or was he a scrambler? He just like scrambled up the ridges or whatever. He just kind of wildly ran up. How's it go? I like the this. arm swing. That's that's great. Okay. And he just like elevated. All right, Skylin, you got options. Uh, who was the Pope that was an expert in mountain climbing? Was it, as Rudy says, Pius the 11th? Or was it, as uh, Mike is suggesting, um, JP2, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right, who's wrong? Skyland and Midland, what say you? I'm going to go with Mike. You just, you're just going to go that way, huh? I wouldn't recommend sure? it. But okay. Are you sure? Everybody says, I'm so sorry. It's tricky. I, I, But I feel like I warned you, Skyland. I feel like, <laughs> in my defense, I did let you know it was the hardest question of the day. And if, and Mike's not wearing a tie. So <laughs> you should correlate that. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, Pius XI is the correct answer. I think JP2 just liked to ski and hang out at mountains. I I'm think not sure he, he climbed went up them. a mountain one time. Did he? Like just once. Like he walked up or? I don't know. Uh, Pius XI is the correct answer. But don't fear... You know how this game works. We're gonna get you in with this next one. We're gonna start. Right. We're gonna start with Rudy. Rudy, uh, can you tell me? Okay. How does a good Catholic get souls out of purgatory? Literally, this is a trick question. So you literally can't do anything because what? it's not up to you. What? You as a layperson There's don't nothing? have the authority to pull yank somebody out of purgatory. I mean, what? if you could do that, you'd just take them all out right at, at one time, right? It's just nothing I can do. No, come on, don't be silly. Cooperate with God's grace. Nothing. What? Oh, okay. What did you say? No, I'm sorry. All huh? right, nothing. Very well, nothing. Rudy's answer is nothing. Um, verboten uh, is how he would say it in German. Uh, Mike, speaking of German, can you tell me, how does a good Catholic get souls out of purgatory? I'm here to give you hope, Joe. Praise be to God. You do it by getting on your knees, and and you pray hard, you Uh earn those indulgences, and you get up off your knees, and you go do some hard work for the poor, for the needy, for anyone who needs it. That's how you get out of purgatory. Oh, I hope Martin Luther didn't hear you say that. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right, so, Skyler, you got options. How does a good Catholic get souls out of purgatory? Mike K. says, by earning indulgences on their behalf, prayer and good works, living in a state of grace and detached from sin whereas rudy says nope there's nothing you can do uh just gotta sit back and pray hope and don't worry i guess i don't know uh, 15 seconds on the clock who's right who's wrong skylin what say you and, uh, i'm gonna try mike again <laughs> wow doubling down survey says 
Yes, we earn those indulgences. Just don't tell your Baptist friend. That's all. Hard to get, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It is hard. Being detached from venial sin, not an easy thing. That's the hard part right there. That's the kicker. Uh, But you are correct. By earning indulgences on their behalf, prayer and good works, praise be to God, is the correct answer. All right, third question. I'm 90% sure you're going to get this one right, Skyland. Reasonably sure. At least a good 65%. Anyway. Uh, let's go back to Mike K for this one. Mike, can you tell me? Who is the patron saint of people condemned to death? Oh, Joe, the easy question. Easy question. Thanks for the softball. Okay. I was hurt, by the way, for the guy on the other side of the cross because I wish he'd seen the truth. But we're talking about St. Business, good Saint- thief. Oh, the good thief on the cro- next to Jesus. On, okay, sure. interesting. Good, The good thief, St. Dismas, you say. Huh, let's see what uh, Rudy has to say. Rudy, can you tell me, who is the patron saint of people condemned to death? The saint of the day today, which is Felix Gomez Pinto Pinheiro. That's who easy was, for you to yeah, say. He's got a really long name. He must have uh, taken on some of the, the names when he was in the Philippines. But, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they rounded him up. He actually died by a shotgun. So, uh, Oh, yeah. yikes. <laughs> Okay, I admitted well, that one. Skyland, you got options. Rudy says uh, the uh, patron saint of the dying, or patron saint of those, con- was it condemned to death? Condemned to death. Con- yeah. Condemned to death. We're talking mm-hmm. condemned to death. Was it Blessed Felix Gomez Pinto Pinero, as Rudy suggests, or was it St. Dissimus, the good thief, as Mike is suggesting? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Skyland at Tony's Bakery in Midland. What say you? I'm going to go with Rudy. No! Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Skyland, I feel like we failed you. Skyland, uh, we're going to put you in for two. St. Dissimus is the correct answer. Maybe that's what you meant, and it's, I confused you. You could, you could admit that. That'd be fine. Uh, I do that from time to time. But in fact, St. Dissimus is the correct answer. All right, God bless you, Skyland. Thanks for playing our game. Have a laugh and uh, roll them with the punches. You're amazing. And uh, go to Tony's in Midland. If you guys are in Midland, check out Tony's Bakery. Wonderful Guadalupe Radio Network uh, family there. Praise be to God. Hey, that's going to do it for the radio side of the show. We're going to go to the after show. Join us there for the conversation at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Wednesday of the 23rd week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, 
Early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. O God, by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters, that those who believe in Christ may receive true freedom and an everlasting inheritance. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, in regard to virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, but I give you my opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. So this is what I think best because of the present distress, that it is a good thing for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek a separation. Are you free of a wife? Then do not look for a wife. If you marry, however, you do not sin, nor does an unmarried woman sin if she marries. But such people will experience affliction in their earthly life, and I would like to spare you that. I tell you, brothers, the time is running out. From now on, let those having wives act as not having them, those weeping as not weeping, those rejoicing as not rejoicing, those buying as not owning, those using the world as not using it fully. For the world in its present form is passing away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Listen to me, daughter, see and bend your ear. Listen, Listen to, to me, daughter, see and bend, bend your, your ear. Hear, O daughter, and see, turn your ear, forget your people and your father's house. So shall the king desire your beauty, for he is your Lord, and you must worship him. Listen, Listen to, to me, daughter, see and, and bend your ear. All glorious is the king's daughter as she enters. Her raiment is threaded with spun gold. In embroidered apparel she is borne into the king. Behind her the virgins of her train are brought to you. 
Listen to me, daughter, see and bend your ear. They are born in with gladness and joy. They enter the palace of the king. The place of your fathers your sons shall have. You shall make them princes through all of the land. Listen, Listen to me, daughter, see and bend your ear. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Rejoice and leap for joy, your reward will be great in heaven. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Raising his eyes towards his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are, are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven, for their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you will receive your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I remember a few years ago, we were having a meeting about the direction of our apostolic activity. And uh, there was somebody who was very adamant about his opinion of our direction and what we should be doing. And I remember the, the phrase that was thrown around was, it's so right, we're not married to that idea. And I thought this was rather funny because sometimes people become married to their ideas. They become conjoined. They become rather attached to what they want or what their their ideas are. Uh, and the, the truth be told that, that even marriage, uh, as the apostle says, it's an apostolic council. Even marriage is not, uh, it's, it's, it's called a sacrament of nature. And it's often found from nature. It's not the same as religious life or priesthood, where you have a divine invitation from God calling you to that vocation. The vocation is much more of the desires of the heart. And not only one heart, which is, you know, there's nothing more tempestuous than the human heart. There's two hearts, two human hearts and, and God. And all three of them have to work together to find some kind of vocation. So it's like uh, marriage is, is, uh, is, although it is very holy and beautiful, it is something that some you know comes from the human heart. And for this reason, that calling is many times when someone says, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to pray and ask God if I am called to marriage. Well, God, many times with marriage and other even serious things of life, because they do not uh, directly relate to your eternal salvation, 
if you ask God, he would flip the question back at you and say, Lord, what do you want for my heart? And say, well, what does your heart want? Uh, what are you desirous of? Uh, the old adage of the Ignatian way of prayer is to line your, your heart with the will of God and then pay attention to the desires of your heart, uh, which is the difficult part of discernment is not the will of God. The will of God is very clear and easy many times. It's the difficult discernment is what is my heart longing for? And this is true even within uh, communities or dioceses. Um, many times I think of it, discernment within a group of people is, is I've had this experience as a young priest and, and a formator of seminarians where I asked them what they wanted for dinner. And it was like we all had to come to a, a discernment. <laughs> it was a big deal because everybody wanted to be detached from what they, what they wanted. And this is why the gospel for today is very important. It is the, the blessing of being afflicted in this life is it gives you detachment, something you, can't ha you cannot practice the exercise of charity without detachment. Poverty hunger, weeping, sorrow, all these things detach you from what you want and make you open to being filled with God's grace. Because you can't desire charity, you can't desire union if you think you're full of a great many beautiful ideas and, and thoughts and, and your own plans and all these things. And that's why affliction is a blessing. Any kind of uh, affliction that you have in your life is a, a beautiful gift from God to make you open and disposed to receiving his charity, his will, and his grace. Let us continue to pray and ask God for this disposition, this poverty, this, this openness, that we would not be too attached to the things of this world. Because that adage about marriage can be applied to everything. If you want to live, especially as a married person, if you want to live evangelical poverty, have all things as if you didn't have them, even your own soul. Have your own soul and your own dispositions as if they did not belong to you. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth with the holiness of Jesus Christ. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the sorrowful. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We ask you to hear all these petitions, for we make them in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our blessed Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down thy weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. 
I came to Jesus as I was weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give. The living water, thirsty one, Stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus, and I drank Of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. O God, give us the gift of true prayer and of peace. Graciously grant that through this offering we may do fitting homage to your divine majesty, and by partaking of the sacred mystery, we may be faithfully united in mind and heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word, through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin. Fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with the angels and all the saints, we declare your glory, as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Pleni Sunceli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, 
all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your Son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died, and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages, and praise you without end. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Oh, him and with him and in him, O oh God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Procepti salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, Sanctifice tu nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, via voluntas tua, secut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odie, et imite nobis debita nostra, secut et nos dimitimus, Debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, 
sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Only say the word and my soul shall be healed. I am the light of the world, says the Lord. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament, we thee adore, Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary's sinless heart with which to love thee, dearest King, 
Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise Thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O make us love thee more and more, O make us love thee more and more. Thy body, soul, and Godhead all, O mystery of love divine, I cannot compass all I have, for all thou hast and art is mine. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O make us love thee more and more, O make us love thee more and more. Sound then his praises higher still, and come ye angels to our aid. For this is God, the very God, who has both men and angels made. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O make us love thee more and more. O make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. Grant that your faithful, O Lord, whom you nourish and endow with life through the food of your word and heavenly sacrament, may so benefit from your beloved Son's great gifts that we may merit an eternal share in his life, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. To Jesus Christ, our sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, all praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, victor, Christ Jesus, ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord and Redeemer. Thy reign extend, O King benign, to every land and nation. For in thy kingdom, Lord divine, alone we find salvation. Christ Jesus, victor, Christ Jesus, ruler,
May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of deliverance, Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. This is Gabriel from True Faith 